Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Jets podcast on 24-7 Sports, along with Rick Lachlan. I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Joining us right now, courtesy of the Mile High Report on Estimation, it is Miss Lori Lattimore-Volkman, Dr. Lori Lattimore-Volkman, who <laughs> joins us today. And uh, thank you for coming back. How are you, and what is going on with you so far? Uh, well, thanks for having me on again. I'm doing great, and I'm looking forward to a Broncos win. How's that? <laughs> well, we all know how you feel about that, but you know what? Hopefully for the Jets, this could be the game that turned things around. Uh, we hope so, but, you know, the way that they've been going so far doesn't look like it. But let's go ahead and uh, – Ask right away here, uh, your opinion of the Denver Broncos right now. What has Casey Keenum done so far that makes Broncos fans happy that their quarterback situation is actually on the straight and narrow? Well, actually, Broncos fans aren't too happy with Case Keenum right now. <laughs> I think I don't think they've they have not given up completely, and they haven't. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of fans, truly feel like. Um, you know, it's not salvageable because even though his touchdown to interception ratio is pretty horrendous, and even though he hasn't, you know, he's, he's missed some key throws, he's also made some great throws, and he's, he definitely has leadership qualities that our offense really needed, and he's got a real, you know, kind of a rally mentality, and, a, and you know, I, people – People trust him. They like him. They want to follow him. So it's, you know, for the team, he's good. And for the offense, he's good. For fans, he needs to start hitting the throws he's supposed to hit for, six, you know, $16 million a year, $18 million a year. Or he's going to be a, you, he's going to be a target pretty quickly for, you know, benching. So um, I don't think it all is lost, but there are plenty of fans who are pretty, pretty upset with him. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you would probably want Sam Darnold as your quarterback instead of Case Keenum. <laughs> well, I want touchdowns. I, so as, as long as he can do that and no interceptions, which hasn't really, you know, quite worked out either. Right? You know what I what I want is I want Peyton Manning the healthy years back. That's not happening. <laughs> no, that's not happening at all. So go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, the Jets are a franchise. I mean, when you talk about a stopgap option, that's what you think of when you think of Case Keenum. I mean, the, the Jets experimented that with that with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, of course, looked fabulous through the first three games of the season and then came crashing down to earth this year. What what do you see as far as at that quarterback position? I know the fan base isn't necessarily sold. John Elway obviously saw something special in Case Keenum and thought that where the level that defense was at, with the running game that I was surprised to even see them as ranked as the third number, the number three rushing unit in the entire NFL. Uh, do you truly feel that case Keenum, I know it's only been the quarter pole of the season through four games. He, they obviously took the Vikings to an NFC championship game. Do you think that uh, assuming these other pieces fall into place, that case Keenum can be that guy to get the, the Broncos deep into the playoffs and potentially, you know, to either a divisional round or uh, AFC championship game, if push comes to shove. So that's a lot of questions. <laughs> yes, would be my first answer. I do think he can. 
but I, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned that, you know, we, we didn't get, we didn't get 2017 Vikings Keenum. We got 2016, 15, 14 journeyman Keenum. And that's not the, you know, that's not the Keenum we wanted. So I, I do think John Elway, you know, he, he's not, he, he didn't look at him as totally a stopgap, but I think he is, you know, like you said, he is a stopgap for two years if he proves himself in those two years. But I think, you know, his, his leash is really going to be a little bit shorter. It's really going to be one year. Then, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going with that tide. But really, I think, I think there's potential that Chad Kelly is, uh, is groomed enough to, to really take over. And if he's, if he's as promising as he seemed so far, then, then maybe he's the franchise guy. You know, Broncos really were serious about trying to get Baker Mayfield. They just couldn't trade up enough to get him. And I, I think after the last couple of weeks, I'm sure John Elway and I know a lot of Broncos fans are watching Baker and going, ah, oh, that is the guy we want. <laughs> that would have been ideal because that's, you know, like you guys, that's the, your long term. You're going to have some rough patches the rookie year, maybe the second year, but you've got, you've got a franchise quarterback. And we have not had that for a, such a long time that, you know, a young guy coming in to be the franchise that I think we, it's even hard to sort of imagine how to do that. So Case Keenum was a, was a great idea in March and April and May and June. And if he doesn't pick it up in October, he's not going to be a great idea for very long. Well, let me say this. I mean, obviously you had, uh, like you said, John Elway, all those wonderful years, you had Peyton Manning, uh, for a couple of uh, seasons as well, led you to a Super Bowl again. But um, what is it about Keenum that, you know, everyone's not really happy with? Like, where would you have liked, besides obviously Mayfield or Darnold, obviously that didn't happen, but where, you know, who do you <laughs> think uh, could take over for Keenum if he doesn't do the, the, the job he's supposed to do on Sunday? Well, so that's what I'm saying. Chad Kelly is our second guy, I mean, our backup, mm-hmm. and I think – He's still young and unproven. So I am not calling for him to come in this year at all, unless our season tanks and we're at the end, you know, and then I'd put him in, but I, I have trust in Keenum, but I'm not willing to say he's the long-term answer that, you know, he, that we're going to extend his contract unless this year turns around quickly. And next year is a solid year Um, for the kind of money we're paying him. You asked me what I what he needs to do. He needs he needs to make his throws. Like um, if last week, if you watch Monday Night Football. He you know he he was he played pretty well and he threw one interception and it was it, I wouldn't say it was the worst interception ever for a quarterback, but it was you know it was underthrown and it was likely to get picked. But then you have a chance to win the game. And you have a wide open Demarius Thomas on the four yard line running for the end zone. You have to make that throw. There's like that kind of clutch play. He wasn't scrambling and almost down on the ground. He, you know, he had, he had his guy and he overthrew him. So, you know, Case Keenum needs to be accurate. That's, that should be his bread and butter. And he's not showing that kind of consistent accuracy that would make, I think, Broncos country feel confident that this guy can do it. And the one player I want to ask you about that was selected, of course, two picks after San Darnold, number five overall, Bradley Chubb. Uh, sack and a half on the season so far. His 
season debut, they said he did look a little timid, of course, probably under the bright lights of NFL football, maybe got to him a little bit. What are you seeing as far as how he is evolving into a professional player with the Broncos? Do you think that ultimately a lot of scouts had him ranked as the top overall player in the entire draft, not just at his position, better than Mayfield, better than Darnold? And do you think, obviously it's a small sample size, but through four games now uh, that he has lived up to that type of hype? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't lived up to the hype, but I I don't know that too many rookies truly do. I mean, some do, but usually that first year in the NFL, no matter what position, it takes a little time to really settle in and also to kind of figure out your role with your other teammates around. When, you're, when you have Von Miller on the other side, part of Bradley Chubb's role, um, whether he, you know it's stated or not, is going to be to – just detract a little bit because he is, you know, he's a big, strong guy and he's talented and he's, you know, expected to be one of the best rookies in the league. So just having him on the other side there is supposed to help take some pressure off of Von Miller. So Von Miller can do what he's supposed to do. So I I think Chubb gets a little less spotlight and and maybe even, you know, a little less opportunity because, of who he's, who he's playing with. So I am not disappointed in him. I, I think that's a position where you just, it takes some time, um, it, you know, to, to really be the superstar. So I, I think he's, he's showing, you know, he's getting more comfortable at, at kind of being aggressive and knowing what he has to, what he needs to do and when to, you know, I'm sure he keeps learning from Vaughn um, and DeMarcus Ware in the, you know, during the week. So, I expect him to just get better and better. I'm not disappointed in him. I think part of the thing with us is we've had a couple other rookies on offense who have really outperformed their, you know, their potential or their predicted potential. And so they get a whole lot more attention when you're looking at great rookies. So even though Bradley Chubb was our number one, um, our first round draft pick, these other guys, Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, an undrafted running back, have flashed so often <laughs> that we can't stop talking about them. So let me ask you this about Von Miller. Now, he had some nice things to say about Sam Darnold, and, uh, you know, we appreciate that over here at the Jets podcast <laughs> on 24-7 Sports. But, um, you know right. – is he really trying to avoid bulletin board material? He's trying to go the nice way. Usually Von Miller, I know he's respectful. He's a hardworking uh, defensive player. We all know that. But is he trying to avoid the bulletin board material uh, game if he accidentally goes off the railings just a little bit? Yeah, I, he's been doing this all year. I mean, he he said when the, when, when the Raiders were coming to town, he said this is the best offensive line in football, <laughs> which – I don't think anybody else thinks that. And, you know, he, he, he certainly praised Patrick Mahomes, which, you know, was completely legit. But I think Vaughn is a, he has always been a smart PR guy. Every press conference he has, he's usually, he praises the NFL. He praises his coaches or even the GM, John Elway. Like he knows who he needs to please. (laughs) I, I think, yeah, it's just part of his MO. Now, every time when he's asked about an opposing quarterback, he is only going to give them props. 
he's not going to be the guy to trash talk, um, you know, the, their game and talk about how many sacks he's going to get. He'll talk about how many he'd like to get, but he, he's, he's almost too flattering. And yeah, I think it's partly just his thing to not, to, to go overboard the opposite way. You've probably watched every snap of Broncos football so far this season. If you're a Jet fan, you're looking at this game and you're trying to figure out what you need to stop from the Broncos' offensive perspective. For me, at first glance, it would be this running game that I think has been somewhat uh, not talked about, at least on a national basis. Uh, who in that backfield, whether it's a Royce Freeman, Devontae Booker, or even a Philip Lindsay, I mean, who is it a combination, all three? Is it one guy that can single-handed yeah well I think partly all three have contributed Booker not so much but Lindsay and Freeman are pretty much you know the very the first couple games of the season Lindsay was the star he had a, a great he's a great pass catching running back and he's he's really shifty and super fast so he's hard to he's hard to get to um but if you do get to him you know, he's, you can bring him down compared to Royce Freeman, who's, who's bigger and is kind of a, you know, he's sort of a more prototypical running pro running back. And he's just, he's just a beast. And so he gets eight yards. His, his yard per carry on Monday night was eight yards per carry. <laughs> he, he only, there's some, some complaints from Broncos fans that he wasn't given the ball enough and that's been talked about a lot in Denver this week. So I think you can expect to see more of him perhaps than of Lindsay this week, but both of them are really the, the tandem of them. Great because they, they're different types of backs. So for a defense, you have to prepare a little differently or be ready a little bit differently when they, you know, when one of them is in the backfield and it's interesting, you guys can corroborate this, but I believe it, you know, it's your run defense is one of the best parts of your, of your team and of your defense. And so your strength is going to be matched against our strength because on our offense, it seems like our running game is, is the toughest. So it should be fun to see who wins that battle on Sunday. It really should. Um, just to take a look at the injury report, obviously for the Broncos, uh, your outside tackle, Jared Veldher is out. Doubtful will be with a knee. I should say doubtful is Marquette King with a right thigh. Um, questionable is uh, linebacker Todd Davis with the shoulder. Defensive end Adam Gotsis is questionable with the knee. Um, limited pra- limited participant in practice on Friday was Todd Davis with the shoulder, of course, and of course Adam Gotsis with the knee. So um, it doesn't look like there's uh, too much of an issue right now. I mean, originally Von Miller was on the uh, on the injury report, <laughs> but he's off it. So I mean that's a positive right there. Right. Injury wise, we're we're not in too bad a shape, although it's never good when one of your one of your O linemen goes down because it's just well, probably for anybody, but definitely for us. Our starting offensive line has been so much better this year than the past two years, even the past three or four, honestly. And so um the and the offensive line more than some units, part of their playing well means playing together. And so when you, when you lose a piece of that and you stick somebody else in, it kind of upsets some of that communication and rhythm. So to Billy Turner's credit, he has come in and played, played quite well in place of, of Jared Veldhier, but you know, Jared is a beast. So it's a bummer to lose him. And, you know, it's 
possible he, this is going to be the thing the rest of the season. I mean, he, he went out with a concussion three games ago. He went out with the knee last game. He's not playing this week. So, you know, we're going to have to maybe get used to not having him. And luckily, Billy Turner is, is playing well. But, you know, it's never good when your O-line gets hurt because the backup guys it don't all aren't, and especially our backup guys, aren't always up to par. <laughs> um, but it's nice. It's definitely nice to see Von Miller off that list. Um, we don't want to see him on there ever. And anytime we have guys on defense getting hurt, it's uh, it's scary because we, that's one of the things we keep relying so much on. We don't need those guys going down. And here with the Jets, we have a tenuous coaching situation with Todd Bowles. I can't tell you being on the New York Jets on 247 Sports Facebook page. I mean, droves of fans coming out with hashtag fire bowls. Uh, they can't wait for him to be gone and basically trying to find every reason to fire him. With Vance Joseph in Denver, uh, from what I see, hasn't been the most popular figure, but do you think, I'm not going to say his situation is as dire as Todd Bowles, but do you think if the Broncos hit a downward spiral that he could be possibly facing an in-season firing? Yeah, if we if it's a downward spiral where we lose several in a row, yeah, I think we we could definitely look at that, which would mean you know quite a change. I don't, I think generally GMs, John Elway included, you don't want to make that change mid-season, but if you feel confident with maybe a coordinator filling in as the as the head coach for a couple of games, and you know you're not necessarily so worried about your record, <laughs> then you get it done. I, Here's, I think, so beating the Jets would definitely be a big, like if we, well, I should say if we lost to the Jets, that would definitely be, um, a you know, kind of a red flag because we feel like even though it's a road game and it's always tough to play on the road, we feel like we should, we should be able to win this. Next week we face the Rams and that's, even though some people won't, you know, people inside Denver, Dove Valley aren't going to say this, but fans know it's going to be really hard to win that game. So if you, if suddenly you went from two and O to two and four, and then you have to face Arizona on a Thursday night, like if, if it starts going that way, and then we play, then we face Kansas city at the end of the month again, like that could easily be the bye week is his last is Vance Joseph's last week. But if we, if we split a couple, if we win some, if we're in the game for most of, even if we lose, but we're in the game, then I think his job is safe through the season, but we're going to have to, I think, basically make the playoffs or be close at the end of the season for him to keep his job next year. All right. So let me ask you this about the Jets side of things Uh, as a Bronco uh, reporter or Bronco fan, whoever uh, you want to look at, what are some of the things that scares you that the Jets could use this game to turn their fortunes around. Obviously, let's go to the defense first. Uh, the front seven has been okay. Uh, I think the, the secondary has been decent, but still, though, you got Marcus May, Jamal Adams, Morris Claiborne. I mean, right now, that secondary, there are some good moments, some bad moments. What worries you if this Jets team uh, shows what they did in week one and not what they have done in weeks two, three, and four? Well, I think that if um, if the run defense stops us and if the pass rush gets even close to Keenum, 
so that he is not able to take advantage of your weaker secondary <laughs> with his, with our receivers, that's going to, that's going to spell doom for the Broncos offense. And, you know, we, we need our offense to at least be able to score points. We can't keep expecting, you know, no defense, especially a defense on the field a lot is going to keep the opponent from doing nothing. <laughs> so aside from the jets imploding on their own, you know, we, the Broncos need to be scoring and assuming that, you know, they can't just let the defense keep it below 10 or, you know, some ridiculous number that we used to say in 2015, we felt like our defense, all they had to do is keep the score below 14 and we could win. And that is how we won most of our games, but we can't do that anymore. We don't have, we have a good defense, but we don't have an elite defense and we don't have a, you know, always a great defense. So we, our offense has got to be efficient. And so if your run defense is able to stop our running backs, and if your pass rush is able to rattle Case Keenum to the point that he, he cannot be accurate, then, then our offense isn't going to be able to do squat. So that, that worries me. Do you want me to do the other side of the ball too, or are we just sticking with the offense first? Well, that's for, well, that's Rick's uh, job. I'll let him have that question. You can ask that question, Rick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I try to be fair well, here. Well, you know, we to be fair. No, I'll let her talk about the offense because I have an unrelated question, not to this game. So go ahead. Uh, speak to what you think as far as the offensive side, what scares you uh, on the Jets' offense. Well, honestly, it's Sam Darnold. I mean, I, we know he's a good player. Everybody knows that. And he, he's a rookie, and he's struggled a little bit. And um, if I think if Vaughn Miller and our, and our defensive line, which is str- pretty strong, gets the pressure it should, then hopefully we aren't the team where Sam Darnold has the breakout game. <laughs> but I wouldn't – I'd be lying if I said that's not my biggest worry. Usually good players, it just – it takes a little while and they put it together, and I'm sure that game is coming for Darnold. I hope it's not the Broncos, but it, it could be. All right, and I want you now to take a trip in a time machine with me 20 years ago the 1998 AFC championship game jets, of course, it mile high against the Denver Broncos. I remember where I was. I was in my parents' basement as a 10 year old crying hysterically at the end of the game. What, what are your <laughs> memories? What are your memories from that game? A game in which the jets committed six turnovers and uh, basically delivered a, uh, I guess what I would call a late Christmas gift to the Denver Broncos to send them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, that year was, that where I was was where I usually am, which is in my living room, freaking out because the Broncos always <laughs> make me nervous. <laughs> not, I have not watched a Broncos game in my life where I haven't been worried, um, except maybe the Super Bowl that year um, because we it, it was actually kind of boring for a while against the Falcons. But um, it was it you know the the Broncos they never make it. They just never make something easy. Honestly, they usually, um, they usually make it a game that where they should have won. They make it close when they, um, when they shouldn't win, they still make it close and lose. <laughs> or sometimes it's like, I can't watch a Broncos game without needing like a defibrillator next to me. So. <laughs> so, you know, that game, 
you know, when, when they're coming back, like every turnover, I was just like super excited. And also like, just, I always felt like, Oh, we can't like, we can't keep relying on this kind of thing. And we could, but I was exhausted afterwards. Yeah. Always exhausted. And I said in my article, I said in my article too, if the Jets and Broncos played a hundred times, I don't think we'd see six turnovers from either side uh, during those hundred times. So it uh, definitely was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of game, but a painful one for Jet fans. But go ahead. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, Rick. Yeah, I really needed that one on a Friday afternoon. But <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually visiting my cousin and uh, her husband at the time in their apartment in Queens. And uh, 10 nothing Jets after uh, a fumble uh, near the goal line uh, by the Broncos. Curtis Martin gets the handoff, runs it in to start the second uh, half, and then it was all Broncos from there, and uh, that's one of those memories I was trying to erase from my head, but thank you, Rick. That was really great. Don't thank me, Daniel. Just thank history. It's 20 years, so it has to, uh, has right. to be revisited, that's good, bad, or ugly. To, <laughs> exactly. Uh, let me I have a theory, to too. Because in the late in the '80s, when John Elway was quarterback, and we were we you know go to the AFC Championship and we'd win, you know usually a couple times there in a row, beating uh, beating the um, beating the, the Browns, then we'd go to the Super Bowl and get blown out by the Redskins, by the Giants. Who was the other one? And anyway, every Wasn't Green mo- several of those games. Out. Oh, 49ers. It was the 49ers, the Giants, and the Redskins. 49ers, 49ers. Yep, yep, yep. So we would score 10 points, and, like, one of the – I think it was the Redskins. We were up 10 nothing, and then Mm -hmm. second half, we got blown out 55-10. to We got blown out 42-10. to Like, so I have a thing. Whenever the Broncos score 10 points, I'm always nervous. I'm like, I just want to get past the 10 because it seems like a bad luck number. So, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that goes for you guys, too. Well, sometimes it does. But anyway, I wanted to uh, throw this at you right now. But with, the, with the Jet defense, um, you know, a lot of questions from the, you know, the Jets in past years, including with Todd Bowles being the head coach of this team. A lot of pressures, not a lot of sacks. Right now, uh, 10 sacks for this Jets defense, especially against uh, the Cleveland Browns on that Thursday nighter. Uh, six picks. One of them returned for a pick six by Darren Lee. Of course, that was in uh, game one, week one in Detroit. But um, like you've said, you know, a lot of question marks, you know, if this Jet defense, this front seven, the secondary, can find a way to turn things around. You know, uh, I mean, it's not too shabby right now in four weeks. But still, though, I mean, that's still a bit of an alarm that set that rings if Keenum doesn't uh, convert any of his passes. Yeah, I mean – it's definitely it's definitely an alarm. <laughs> That's why he. The thing is, Keenum has so many. He has so many weapons on offense this year. We have we have Demarius Thomas, who sometimes is inconsistent, but he has still made some clutch plays this year. Clutch catches on you know for needing like a third down conversion or a touchdown. And so uh, he's great. Emmanuel Sanders has been great, and now we have rookie Cortland Sutton, who had a great game a couple great couple of catches last game. So he has so many receivers and he has found help with his running backs. Philip Lindsay is a great pass catching running back. And then Jeff Hoyerman has been a really good TE finally this year. So 
he's got a ton of people to throw to. So there's really no excuse. It's not like he doesn't have talent. He has as much, he has the same, in fact, I feel like he has as much talent as he did with Minnesota. So, and I think for the most part, our offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave has called, called a good game for him. So some of it, you know, he, he made good throws. I, I want to make sure that I don't sound like I would have sounded last year. Last year was horrendous. The quarterback situation was awful. So I feel much better with Keenum than what we had last year. But I still feel like he should be doing better than he is, given who he is and, and what we're paying him to be. And it's funny because the Broncos are the second biggest story in Colorado, of course, that being the Colorado Rockies, <laughs> who also play on on Sunday. Not sure how much of a baseball fan you are, but how, how much has uh, the entire state – city of Denver wrapped their arms around this Colorado Rockies team that was kind of an unlikely story in baseball. And then as a side note, I will be there on Sunday. So I'll, I'll be very sure to, to make Bronco fans feel very much at home at MetLife stadium. <laughs> so yeah, he, the Rockies, Colorado's going crazy. I think the Broncos are still the biggest game in town generally as a, but if the abs do well, um, if the, do well you know they the state kind of definitely rallies people you you get some bandwagon baseball fans all of a sudden but you know broncos players are big rockies fans and that always helps you know they you know whenever they're supporting the team that that really kind of pulls you know fans together so it's going to be tough i think um i think they're if uh if the rockies win this and the broncos lose it then uh they're going to the Broncos are going to be competing for some for some fan time. Yep, I agree with you there, and we'll see what happens. And uh, we just want to say once again, Lori, thank you very much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. We'll see what happens after this Sunday. But uh, I feel like it's going to be a very good game, and hopefully, you know, well, for our side, of course, that uh, fortunes turn around, <laughs> but we'll see what happens after four quarters of play. Thank you so much for joining us, and we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. I hope it's a great game. I, I joked on Twitter that I was going to predict a blowout, but I would never do that. Mm, There's no way Broncos blow anybody not. out. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Of course not. We'll, we'll wait. We'll, we'll watch the game, and if something happens, we'll let you, we'll let you know. <laughs> okay, thanks. No problem. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. All right, bye-bye. That's uh, Lori Lattimore-Volkman from Mile High Report joining Rick Lachlan and me. The New York Jets are getting ready to take on the Denver Broncos this Sunday, week five at MetLife Stadium, 1 o'clock Eastern on Channel 2, WCBS Rick. Uh, it, it sounds like this could be a good game. We hope it'll be a good game, hopefully on the Jets' side of things, um, that everything will be all right. Uh, of course, we want to pass along well wishes to defensive coordinator Casey Rogers. Just reported that uh, – uh, he's not feeling well, not sure what the uh, illness is, but it's major enough that he probably will not be on the sideline uh, yelling out defensive uh, plays uh, for the Jets on defense, Rick. And look, I, you know, I agree with Lori. I think the Broncos are going to win this contest. No Casey Rogers, no Tremaine Johnson. The matchup of the Jim Bradley Chubb and Von Miller against that Jets offensive line, I think that's too much for the Jets front to handle. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to this preview show here on the Jets podcast on 24-7 Sports. Once again, the New York Jets, they're going to host the Denver Broncos this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern, WCBS Channel 2 at 1 o'clock. Thank you for uh, Lori Lattimore-Volkman. For Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Jets Podcast Preview Show on 24-7 Sports through blogtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you next time on the review show. Bye-bye for now.